The Ad Couch by Jake McKenzie and available on theadcouch.com where psychology meets creative advertising. On the couch today is Jake McKenzie, CEO of Intermark Group and marketing psychology expert. Today on the couch, we're going to delve deeper into the research behind the commitment principle. Now, as you recall, the commitment principle says that once we do something, if we buy something or say something, our commitment to stick with that goes up substantially. And we know that it's very valuable in terms of retention. And we also know that it is one of the most fundamental of human drivers. It it is one of the easiest ways to help shape behavior change. And when you're dealing with something as powerful as this, we expect that there are ways that it can go wrong, that people have learned to exploit it in negative fashions. And there's lots of research around this concept. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. In 1978, a researcher by the name of Cialdini wanted to study this uh, principle, the lowball technique. And what it simply says is, is if you can get somebody to commit to something at a low level, they're much more likely to continue committing at a much higher level. Now, the way he structured this study is he had two groups. One group, he asked for a very high commitment, something that was going to take a lot of effort because he wanted to know how the public at large would respond to that. The second group, he started by asking for a very small commitment, do something really easily. Then he asked that group, after you've committed to the small element, would you then commit to the much more difficult element? And what he found was that they would. The people who had first committed to the small element were much more likely to commit to the much higher level of effort request than was the control group who never had the smaller request. Now, salespeople have known this for years, and it is a very common technique where they come in and and price something incredibly low, give you uh, the lowest possible price, and then you get excited about it and say, yes, I'm going to buy that. Then once you've committed to that, they come back and say, oh, well, that doesn't include things that you expected, or maybe I misquoted the price. But at that point, the commitment principles kicked in. You're already down the road to fulfilling that purchase so that you continue along and you are much more willing to continue conceding to further and further demanding requests. Now, a study in 1981 showed that that second request doesn't even have to be related to the first request. So it doesn't even have to be about the original purchase, that you can continue asking things of people that are slightly unrelated. And we'll talk about that more in a second. But what they did show is that that request is often tied to a specific person or entity. So if a different salesperson were to come in and tell you, hey, we messed up the price, we're going to have to charge you a lot more, it's easier to walk away. But we feel very tied when it's the original person that we made the commitment to, the salesperson, if you will, that we feel that commitment to. A second way that this principle uh, can be used is called the foot in the door technique. And what it simply says is ask for something small and then raise the request once you have gotten acceptance of the first request. So in sales, it may work something very simple. Ask for a very brief meeting. Give me 10 minutes. And then once they've committed to a 10-minute meeting, you may call back and say, hey, I really need 30 minutes. And what will happen is the person that's already on the commitment path, having agreed to 10 minutes, is much more likely to agree to a 30-minute meeting than if you had called in the first place and said, hey, I need 30 minutes. Now, there was a study done by Friedman and Frazier that shows if you want to get somebody to do a big favor, it's smart by asking them with a small favor first. Now, the way they structured this was in California. And what they wanted to do is to see if they could get people to commit to putting giant yard signs in their yard. Now, you're thinking probably much like I was thinking when I first heard the request. 
not just no, but heck no. I don't want a large yard sign. And what they found is when they went to the neighborhoods at large and said, hey, can we put a large yard sign in your yard promoting something good, you know, don't litter, keep California beautiful, people were sympathetic, but very low acceptance levels because in general, people didn't want a large yard sign. But with a different testing group, they started with a smaller request. Hey, do you mind if we put this very small sign up by the road that talks about not littering and keeping California beautiful? Now, not surprisingly, they had a much higher acceptance rate for this request. People didn't mind having a small yard sign because it helped them feel good about the overall project, keeping California beautiful. But that wasn't what they wanted to know. Friedman came back and then asked that group, hey, even before we've put up the small yard sign, we've decided that it would be more effective if we put this giant yard sign in your yard. And what they found is dramatically higher levels of acceptance from that group, even though they had never had a yard sign in their yard at all, because we'd never gotten around to it. Once people had committed to the small request, they were much more likely to commit to the higher level of request. Now, this overall concept isn't new. In fact, there's one of the Ben Franklin quotes that I really like. And it says roughly, if you want to make a friend for life, let him do you a favor. And what he's talking about here is simply the commitment principle. If somebody does something small for you, they begin to like you more, and then you can ask for much greater requests from them and have a high expectation that it's going to succeed. There's a third way that this principle is often exploited, sometimes with negative effects. And it's referred to as the boomerang effect. There was a researcher by the name of Keisler that wanted to study how people got such hardened opinions about things, things like politics. So he set up an experiment to see if it was the commitment principle at work, and in fact, it, it was. So what he says is that if you do something or advocate something and then are attacked for that belief or for that purchase or for that thing, you will significantly raise your commitment to that thing. And he set up an experiment to illustrate that this was the case. What he did was fairly simple. He asked women out of a neighborhood to give out flyers advocating something that was partisan. In this case, it was promoting birth control at a local high school. Now, the very next day, he had that group divided in two for his experiment. Half of the group got a leaflet in their mailbox attacking that position. It was a very anti-birth control message. And then the other half of the women got nothing at all. Then he went back to both of those groups, as well as a third group, people that had not been involved at all, and asked them if they would get involved in a very high-level campaign that was going to take lots of time and resources. So it was a pretty high-level request. Now, what he found was the people that had not been involved at all had a pretty low level of commitment. Very few people were willing to get involved with that campaign. Now, the people who had given out flyers and had not gotten the leaflet attacking their position, were even more committed to being involved. But here's the really interesting part. The women who had got the leaflet attacking their position were dramatically more likely to commit to the higher request. He called this the boomerang effect. And what it says is that simply once you do something, advocate something, commit to something, and then are attacked for it, and people question your decision, you actually harden your position rather than change your mind. And this helps us explain in politics why people become much more extreme in their position. But it also helps us explain how some people remain committed to a purchase decision, even in light of new evidence that indicates perhaps that it wasn't optimal. Now, marketers can use this principle to great effect, and they do this in the retention space as well. 
Um, and they do this by sometimes simply letting their customers know that they or their position is being attacked. Now, you often want to give them talking points about why this isn't true, why they've made a good decision, but that's not what's important. The important piece of hardening their position, of increasing retention, is simply letting them know that other people disagree with that decision. And if you think about a number of companies that perhaps have uh, fallen behind on the technology curve but still retain a strong customer base, BlackBerry users are, are the one I hear about most frequently, it helps explain that. BlackBerry still has an incredibly loyal customer base that remain committed to doing things uh, in the old way, if you will, using the, the keyboard. And BlackBerry remains committed to doing things that way. And what you're seeing at work here is the boomerang effect. Because more people have gone away from that, because more people have begun advocating for a better position, those core BlackBerry users have gotten increasingly firm in their decision to remain committed to BlackBerry. And they've been able to retain a business around that concept. Another way marketers have increased retention using these principles is by creating a community of people who've made the same choice so that you're surrounded by people who have that same level of commitment. And a number of companies have done this uh, to great effect. Uh, we all remember back in the 90s when Saturn, the car company, was organizing these yearly trips to Tennessee for Saturn buyers. And at first, um, the auto community thought this was nuts. People aren't going to show up, but they did in droves and tens of thousands of people organizing their yearly family trip to make a trip to Tennessee to hang out with other Saturn users. Harley has built an entire culture around being around other Harley users, going on common rides, taking vacations together, going to events in Daytona that are very Harley-themed. Um, and these are ways to increase the retention level again by creating those communities. There's one additional piece of research that really applies to the commitment principle and retention. And this one we save for last because it's very counterintuitive. And what it says is that by making something difficult to achieve, our commitment to that goes up substantially. There are some researchers by the name of Aronson and Mills, and they did a study that showed when people had to go through a great deal of trouble or pain to attain something, they tended to value it much more highly than those who had gotten that thing with minimal effort. Now, if you think about this, while at first it may seem counterintuitive, it does make sense. We have lots of experience in this. Um, for instance, there are exclusive clubs that are difficult to join, whether they be country clubs or other affiliations, that it's if it's difficult to get in, then we really want to get in. And once we're in, we remain very committed to it. Asking people to do things like stand in lines for, say, the new iPhone that recently came out requires a commitment. And the fact that you have done that increases your satisfaction with that purchase and it makes you value it even more. Asking customers to get on a waiting list for a product also raises that bar for achieving that product. Google has done this in recent years as they roll out products in beta, and it's difficult to get. You've got to know somebody and then send them a request and hope that you can get one. And as a result, when people get it, their satisfaction level with that purchase or with that product goes up substantially. And of course, with all principles, there are negative sides uh, to this. You see hazing in fraternities and sororities. The outcome of that hazing is not that people are upset with the fraternity and sororities, but rather their commitment level is at a, a higher level. They're happier with that choice because it was difficult to achieve, because they had to go through things that were unpleasant. So as marketers, we can see that the commitment principle is incredibly powerful and that we want to use it in ways that increase retention, 
that help us with upselling and creating positive behavior change. But we also want to be very aware of the ways that they can be misused. And by looking at things like the lowball technique and the foot in the door technique and the boomerang effect, we want to make sure that we're using them in ethical ways so that we are keeping things above board in how we approach them. Because ultimately, that's our responsibilities as marketers, to help brands create positive and ethical change in their customers' behavior. Questions or comments? Tweet us at The Ad Couch or visit us at theadcouch.com. <laughs>